Andrew. Hey, Greg. Did you watch the hit HBO Max television program, The Last of Us? It did. Uh, it, it, next, in, a, in, in what will surely be a long line of beloved um, nerd properties um, being adapted into television, starring Pedro Pascal in, a, uh, in the role of a reluctant and flawed father figure. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's definitely a weird thing. Like, especially a couple nights, like literally watching them back to back and being like, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought about that experience. Um, that was that was not my experience with the show. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's uh, I mean, hey, good for him. He seems like a, a genuinely pretty nice dude. And uh, yeah, he gets to, you know, be in probably two of the most popular television that ha- television series right now that happen to be on at the same time, which is kind of ironic and funny. Yeah. I think of like another time when that's happened but yeah. yeah yeah so um i guess we should talk about it but first so if i'm correct you did not play the last of us video game um no i did not i not own a playstation never have and probably never will i'll never say never Ooh, bold um well you know i'm kind of stuck in my ways i'm old yeah i know <laughs> um but so you you so so you had no exposure to the plot or story of the last of us before watching the television show right no i i had consumed only a cursory bit of content surrounding some of the controversy with the second game Uh uh-huh um and where a bunch of stupid idiots who did not understand anything about the original game and still don't it seems God, they still do not. Um, um, so I watch like a donkey video about how the second game is great and, you know, such things. So I, I know a, a spoil a major spoiler for the second season. That's about all I knew. Sure. Going in. I didn't even really know. Like I, I knew very little about the, the plot, except that from shithead dudes in the internet, some amount of lesbianism existed. It did. And it's- I didn't even. And that was like vaguely zombie-esque i didn't even know about like them being fungus people or or whatever like all none of that was there for me so i went in like pretty damn cold good that's that's good i say no because i'm I'm very interested because i you know i played the game back when it came out you know back in who knows when um uh i i played the original game on ps3 i played you know part two um so i knew what was coming in in the show um so i think you and i probably had very different experiences with the show and i'm really eager to hear how you digested it um but um i'll also say it's been a it's it's been i mean i i i played it like when it was new and then didn't really touch it, you know. I I played it when it was new, played the second one when it came out. But so there were a lot of elements of the story that I had, you know, maybe forgotten about or had had gotten kind of foggy in the memory. But um, yeah. So I will give one caveat that yes. as I did watch the show, I still avoided spoilers, you know, looking up things. But I, I did get fed through YouTube, and then you know how YouTube works more and more, like the sort of like post game side by side, you know, cut scene versus scene yeah. in the show, which was, I was like, Whoa, I, I mean, I heard it heading pretty close in some points, but damn, some of these yeah. are like shot for shot. Yeah. It was weird in some cases, but, um, 
And I think that 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 could be an interesting place to begin. I I was I was I found it interesting how closely they hewed to not only just the visual style of the game, but also just like really nitpicky little elements that I thought were, you know, it was interesting of like why you would choose to be that um, faithful to those elements of it. Um, you know, even little things like, you know, just like the color of Joel's jacket, you know, or mm-hmm. the, you know, like just like kind of the some of the uses of the color red as just like these kind of really focal points and color pops, you know, and uh, and that was very interesting. And I, I'm, I'm not I don't have a problem with it, but it, it's like, you know, you they, they clearly took some liberties with some parts of the of the story, expanding some things, ignoring other things. Um, but why they kept so closely to the just certain visual elements, I thought was interesting. I, yeah. Yeah. Because to take a step back, you, if I remember correctly, when this was announced, you were kind of like, eh, I don't need this. Right. Yeah. And for you sure. weren't really in a rush to watch it either. True. So I was also curious from that perspective, you know, kind of having a preconceived notion, you know, also having the, you know, elephant in the room, albatross around the neck of like, Almost every single video game adaptation ever has sucked. Yeah, this so. was the first one that didn't. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, uh, uh. Yeah, no, I think that it's it's. Yeah, I I mean, I wasn't that keen on it to begin with because this really felt like one of those where it's like the like why why remake this other than just to make some more money off the IP, right? Like it's it's a perfect it was it was a perfect game. The story was you know very well told. Um, and it's, you know, it's kind of like, and I'm not interested in them doing, oh, we're going to take a different spin on it and reinterpret it because it's like, don't, it's really good the way it is. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't need to be retold or reimagined. It's just like, you know, and I kind of, I kind of feel like most media is best experienced in its original form, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like, oh, man, maybe this is just best experienced as a video game. Um, so what's the point of this? And also, I'm like, look, man, I, you know, I really appreciate these games, but they're fucking bum out. Like, they're not, <laughs> these are not, there is, these are not games that make you feel good about stuff. And I generally avoid that sort of media anymore, um, with the exception of, you know, like everything else you consume. That's not true. Uh, I look, if we're going to get serious about stuff, it needs to be draped in heavy levels of weirdness for me. I guess like something that rhymes with Bevan Bellion. (laughs) Yes. If we're going to get grim and sad, it needs to be weird. Um, It can't be grim and sad and also just like brutally realistic. (laughs) I can't do both. It can't be real. Um, Right. Yeah. Also, I I think it's interesting, you know, that something that falls in those categories of like good, but also a big bummer. uh, um, This is the first time in a while that for myself where I was just like really looking for I was watching it live. You I think waited until it was done. Right. That's right. Yeah. So another small difference there in our experience. But, you know, this was like the first time since maybe Game of Thrones where I felt like everybody at work was watching it. Everybody was into it. People who I mean, I talked to literally one or two, uh, you know, women I work with at work who are just like, this gives me nightmares. But I 
like I have to watch the next episode. So it really got in that like weekly water coolers, like guys kind of thing that, you know, I haven't really experienced in quite a bit. Hmm. Um, and also for myself, just personally, I was just like really looking forward to like all my friends are watching it. We're talking about it. Not a lot to talk about. Just like basically just like, oh, that was a bummer. And then the next episode. Wow. Even more of a bummer. Oh, you found a new way to make bummers out of this. Great. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I was just really like all in on it. Really enjoyed it. Um, so, yeah. So definitely differences in our, our watching of it. But uh, that's good, though. So so what did you think? Uh, I don't know why everybody says this show is so bad. I thought it was pretty good, actually. <laughs> unpopular uh, opinion, but yeah, unpopular opinion. Good show is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and um, honestly, I, I don't really have any complaints. I mean, honestly, you know, I went into this like this is unnecessary, but um, it's so well done that I didn't care. Yeah, it was like, oh, cool. Yeah, I'm I, I'm willing to experience this story again, but not have to like uh, search drawers in <laughs> for like pieces to build another uh, shiv in case a clicker grabs me. Yeah. Um, and I think that it and there's also, I mean, honestly, a little bit of a concern given how politically charged just the discourse around this game was uh, that. Uh, oh, they're going to water this down a little bit. You know, they're going to take some of the edge off of the story and the the things that the story is trying to say. And they did not. In fact, they kind of doubled and tripled down on some of the things that the story was trying to say. It was kind of like they went into the menu in the game and was like, turn the themes up to maximum. Yeah. Turn that to just max out the themes slider. Um. So, yeah, I really have very few complaints. I mean, I think I would limit my complaints to maybe um, I mean, I think there were definitely some technical moments where some of the sets or backdrops looked way too fake. Um, I'm thinking of maybe in episode two where uh, they're escaping the city with Tess. Mm hmm. And I think in the uh, it's not the second to last episode, the the left behind episode um, where they're running through the city. Some of that felt very fakey, mm-hmm. um, but I don't super duper care about that. You know, I mean, these are very minor complaints when you look at the everything else about it. That's so good. Um, and, you know, I, I, I know that I have a bit of a reputation for being, you know, often critical of things, but I think that, uh, that's often because, you know, with a lot of the things we talk about, even when things are good, a lot of times the things that are wrong with it are more interesting than the things that it does right. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, but this show is definitely the opposite. The things it does well are so much more interesting than the things it does poorly that, um, I mean, I think maybe there's maybe a I don't know which episode I would cut, but there might be one too many episodes in here um, because I do feel like there were a couple points where I was like, OK, I get it. You know, I mm. it, it's like I get it. Boy, the um, the uh, the the uh, the apocalypse sure uh, turned everybody into a different kind of bad person. Mm. Oh, boy, the apocalypse sure makes every sure forces everybody to make some really tough choices. And it's really tough to judge people. Oh, oh, we're going to do again. OK, yeah, yeah, sure. It really does force everybody to make some tough choices. Uh, yeah, boy. Um, yeah, I, I, I maybe say the weakest episode was maybe the one with kind of the big 
fight with with the action in Kansas yeah. City, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, and again, not that it was bad by any means, just maybe like the one where I kind of felt like, who is this? Why do I care? It felt a little bit it felt a little bit rushed in a way that made it kind of felt superfluous. Right. Like, almost like that whole sequence was only about leading up to the kind of very bummer moment, you know, with. Yeah. And I uh, think that, you know, with um, the Lucas. Yeah, I think so. Um, the cut, the, the guy and his brother that, you know, ended in tragedy that kind of felt like we're just basically like doing a set piece to get to that as sort of like the next big bum out moment. And yeah. The, the woman, Colleen, I think was her name. Yes. Um, that whole plot line, like it was, it was interesting. Cause I thought like, this is, I always liked that sort of, I mean, something that I think about a lot as, you know, many of my more lefty leaning friends often jokingly call for revolution you know like <laughs> doesn't doesn't look like what you want it to oftentimes and the people who end up with the reins of it who are actually getting do the thing are not always don't always come out the other way looking so good and doing the right thing and i thought that was an interesting idea nothing necessarily new but um also just like the acting and stuff was pretty good i thought but um but if anything that felt the most like cuddable if something if yeah part was. I, I think i mean i think there was some i think that that episode did some important things um i do think that it was a little bit like uh oh boy yeah i get it people got ruthless um and um yeah i get it it's i you know but um i think it did i think it laid a lot of the groundwork well one of the things i really like about this show uh i don't like <laughs> it's not fun to watch but i like that it does this is um that you do not look forward to violence in this show no. the violence is always um well with the exception of when um uh nick offerman burnt those guys to death with his traps that was pretty cool <laughs> yeah um, i could have actually used that's my one complaint about that episode i could use a little bit more like you know rube goldberg you know death yeah. trap. like like two that more minutes was, of that would have been nice <laughs> that was cool but with that aside everything else and and this is what the game does a lot of times too where it's like yeah when you kill bad guys they beg for their lives and like when they call out to each other like they have names and um when if like they find each other it's not like it is in most games where it's like i found a body increase patrols it's like oh my god it's alex you know mm -hmm. like and so you you feel like there's no there's very few like just real bad guys here you get the impression that um so many of the characters that end up getting killed you know because they're in Joel and Ellie's way, it's like, oh, that's just another version of Joel and Ellie. Just they yeah. just, you know, they just rolled the dice wrong. Yeah. Um, and so the violence is terrifying and it really leaves a mark on yeah. everybody who engages in violence. Yeah. And I, I couldn't help but think the whole time I was watching it about our conversation two episodes ago about after Lost Metal, you know, about just like violence and the justification. You know the the glorification of violence and how we're thinking more critically about how we engage with it and i was like i guess the show was listening to us right you know that's yeah I, I think they i think they were certainly listening to our episode and uh <laughs> and uh adjusted but no i think it was like it's a very responsible use of violence but it, that's also what that's also kind of the point of the last of us is yeah. it is what it is how desperation leads people to violence and violence 
just ends up, you know, uh, destroying everyone around it. And, you know, you see, um, you know, you see what it does to Joel. Um, you see how, um, you know, you see all of the effects of it, how it just it just dehumanizes everyone. It dehumanizes the people who are the victims. It dehumanizes the perpetrators. And that's the point. That's the theme. Um, but it, yeah. And so I think that, and the fact that like the, you know, the, sh the episode ends with kind of a big set piece action moment. Um, it, I think that's important because it really shows you like, no, your characters, your, the heroes cannot shoot their way out of this, mm. that the, the, the monsters are just an existential threat. They will win. All you can do is run away. Um, and, you know, even like, you know, all of the, you know, the, like the badass kind of like mercenary type characters that were working for Kathleen, like they just get wasted. Um, and, you know, our heroes don't even really fully escape, you know, yeah. and Joel is up there trying to shoot some of them with the rifle, but it's just not working. And so I think it. You know, there were a lot of important messages in that episode, but I think that one was kind of a two-parter that yeah. maybe could have been one part. Was it maybe three? No, I think it was maybe just two. But. Yeah, although at the end of the first part where it's like you realize that the guy they're chasing, there's a kid involved and he's got these pictures where he's like drawing them as like superheroes. Yeah. I was like, oh, fuck, no, this is going to be... I almost... Because I thought at at that point, I was like, oh, no, it's this guy and his son. Uh -huh. The fact that they were brothers softened it a little bit. Yeah. But I was like, I, I walked away from that episode being like, I don't know if I can finish this. <laughs> um, yeah, this, this show must have been, you know, a lot of a lot of father, father, both father, daughter. Stuff yeah. Here. How, how was that landing for you? Uh, honestly, not. It was the Joel and Ellie stuff. And maybe it's just because, like, I know where this goes. You know, I right. know what their relationship is. I know where this ends. But the uh, was it Sam and Lucas? The, the, that the, sounds the right. brothers. Um, that one until I realized they were brothers, at which point the kind of emotional stakes lowered for me. Feels really fucking crass to say that. But th <laughs> there it is. Um, that one I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Um, uh, because like the, the Joel and Ellie relationship is not quite father daughter. Um, in fact, that's kind of, I really liked the way they did kind of the last scene or two where you can kind of tell Joel has like fully just committed to the fantasy that Ellie is his daughter. Like yeah, there's this kind so of personality well shift where yeah. he's almost like kind of giddy and excited about it. Yeah, like especially because he's trying to, those like last little bits, like where he's trying to kind of pull her. Like at the post, um, God, what was that guy's name? Uh, this is going great. We're doing great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the cannibal leader preacher guy. Yeah. Well, his name, it was like Thomas or something. It was just some, yeah, you know, generic name. Yeah. Um, like, you know, after that sequence, you know, she was kind of scarred and when they were like, you know, prior to them getting to the hospital and stuff, like where he's like trying to like cheer her up and pull, you know, like he like said, completely kind of committed to this new fantasy, seeing her in that broken state, you know, he filled that gap. And that was such a well, yeah, like written and acted sequence where it's just like we've all been there where like you're you know, there's nothing you can say that really can do anything. And you just kind of keep trying and it's just coming across awkward and fumbly and weird. And it's just like very real, you know, very real, like human thing to try and do and, and also not succeed at. 
Yeah, but it was... Well, anyway, I want to come back to that last story because I think it was really, really well done. But anyway, the ja- the Joel-Ellie relationship, like, it's not... It's difficult for me to read, like, my own relationship with my daughter into that. Sure. Um, but um, the earlier scenes where it's Joel and his, his real daughter, Sarah, those are really mm-hmm. well done. You know, yeah. you just... You had a real good sense of, like, a really excellent sense of their relationship, but also kind of the... The unspoken absence of the mother, um, mm-hmm. you know, and like there's some tension between them, but they're both really trying, you know, um, I thought it was really well done. Um, and uh, of course, knowing how it goes. But um, yeah, so that was really my only complaint is that maybe you could have again, that kind of two parter maybe could have been one part. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I it's all good. I, all good things to say about this show. Yeah. Um, even I guess, the, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, like, the, the thing, like you said, like, about what makes this good, I really agree with you, so about, like, what makes this good is what makes it interesting, because on paper, this is really nothing new, right? Like, it's a lot of the same tropes we see in most zombie things, you know, movies, The Walking Dead, whatever the it is. The humans are like, the real the monsters. The humans are the real monsters, right? You have to make hard choices, you know, it strips your human- humanity away, like, Sometimes you got to do a little bad to to survive. And how far would you go for the ones you love? These are just like, in some ways, the most trite things you can do. And that's why, for mm-hmm. example, when I was trying to pitch the show to Shay, she was like, I've done this already. Like, I don't I watch most like a big chunk of The Walking Dead. Like, I don't really care. I'm like, well, it's better than that. But she's like, why? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm like, it's just really good. Like, it's just but it's taking all of those themes and like you said, turning them up. Digging into them more deeply, I think, like just from a pure execution standpoint, it's just like done really well, um, you know, across the board. Right. Visually writing, acting, you know, pacing. And so that's what I find most interesting is that like this is on paper. I could totally see executive being like, oh, we've already done the zombie thing. Like, why are we and, and like even some of the specific scenes where you're just like, I've done this scene so many times, like, you know, the first episode where you're just like outbreak's going to happen at some point, you know, and then stuff starts to get weird and neighbors start to act strange. And then, you know, she's going to walk into that. Like, it's so like obvious, but then it, it also just works because that stuff is very, it comes from a place of like, well, yeah, that's probably what you would do. And and it comes from like a, a kind of more of like a naturalistic kind of place. Yeah. It's interesting because yeah, it, 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 it relies on a lot of the old zombie movie tropes and it doesn't really subvert them. Mm mm. You know, it doesn't really, you know, there are very few times where you're like, oh, I see where this scene is going. And then they're like, surprise. It's not, you know, it's like, no, it's, you know, they, they, um, you know, it, there's the whole, you've got to kill me. I'm turned scene. There's the whole, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm turned. So I'm going to sacrifice myself scene. Like it's mm-hmm. all there. But, um, I think that this, uh, one of the problems with the walking dead is that it's like, it just keeps saying the same thing over and over and over again, mm-hmm. uh, which is maybe the humans are the real monsters. Hey, <laughs> did you think maybe the humans are the real monsters? But it never really takes that any further. Right. Where like because in in a lot of like so in The Walking Dead and I, I haven't watched the whole show. I read enough of the comics to understand what was, you know, <laughs> to, to kind of get it. Um, but like. <sighs> 
there's hmm, there's I, well, it, 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 it's just like you 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 know everybody's a good guy until they turn into a bad guy and then they're a bad guy hmm. whereas in the last of us like you know joel it ends with joel committing a, a truly monstrous act right yeah. um basically dooming all of humanity uh because he um because a he has uh he has forgotten ellie's actual humanity because he is now just completely uh supplanted her with his own fantasy about his daughter and uh so he's he's kind of denied her personhood and agency um and he uh because violence is at this point all he is capable of doing he that's what he does and um you but but that that final inhuman act is a result of his like of his humanity right like he just he can't let the world take another daughter away from him yeah it's not because you know like it is in the walking dead of like ah, i'm mad with power or mm-hmm. um you know i've just i've you know i've i've just snapped and i'm a psycho now um he he's still human but it it, it it's understandable he doesn't just become a villain you just understand like He's an incredibly broken man, and uh, he made the wrong choice. Um, And so I think that it it finds a way to put a punctuation mark on this. Maybe the humans are the real monster story we've heard so many times. Like it just finds a way to finally close the loop on that. Um, And it does so in in just a really compelling way. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting seeing, you know, the post show buzz. Everyone's trying to get clicks, you know. Was what Joel did, right or wrong? You it know? was wrong. <laughs> Holy shit, it was wrong. <laughs> that is not what the majority of articles I read settled on, which was I thought was fascinating. Jesus Christ, America. <laughs> um, you know, a lot some of it's some of it's just like, you know, dumb shit like maybe there's no way to know if it would have worked or not, blah blah. And it's like, well, the implication is that it would have, right? Like that's what the show is trying to tell you. If anything, you know, I guess for the dumb dumbs out there, they could have, they should have made it even more clear that like, oh no, this is going to work. We're just going to kill her, you know, as opposed to like, well, you know, uh, you know, whatever. But, um, yeah. Uh, that- yeah. But here's the thing. <laughs> if it doesn't work, if it doesn't work, um, it was still the right choice mm-hmm. from a, just a philosophical point of view here. The yeah. potential good done in this situation far outweighs one person's life and another person's feelings like i'm sorry this seems like a very obvious trolley problem (laughs) um even if it's a 50 50 shot that it works because you could also say well yeah maybe it doesn't work but in the process of doing it i'm sure they would learn a hell of a lot more how to make it work Mm -hmm. yeah i read some interesting like there was one or two that actually had substance to them uh that was you know one or two i don't I, I should have pulled them up because it would be interesting, but like sort of like a more good place style, like hard M moral philosophy sort of like approach that like was like, no, like following these different, you know, philosophies. Like if you don't, the only philosophy that works is the utilitarian one. If you look at these other ones, Joel did the right thing, you know, kind of that. Right. Mentality. So it's, it's, that's a little more interesting, but um, the only, yeah. the, the only critique is like a deontological baby brain, like, you know, um, you know, absolutely bonkers. Um, no, he, he did a bad thing. And the show wants you to 
realize yes. it was a bad thing. Yeah, like I mean, the that show whole sequence, is clearly uh, indicating this is bad. He's doing a bad thing. Yeah, like this action scene is not triumphant. This is right. not the hero coming to save the damsel. This is a, a, a murderer, you know, yes. murdering all these people. And then just the way that the, that sequence was brutal. Brutal. Yeah. Well, guess what? Guess what? At least you didn't have to pull that trigger in the game. Fair enough. Because yeah. I did. <laughs> yeah. 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 They make you shoot the doctor. You don't get it. It doesn't become a cutscene. You uh, shoot the doctor. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you you as the player pull that trigger to shoot the doctor. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, But you know, just like the way it's cut and edited and the music, you know, it's it's so just it's obviously it's communicating to you again, just like for the dum-dums out there like. This is this is wrong. This right. is the wrong choice. The, and also, you know, like, like you said, it's not just about the, the utilitarian argument. It's just like this is not what Ellie would have wanted. Exactly. And that's why she that, even, the end of the show is so powerful, like the, that, you know, she knows. You uh, know? Yeah, she and, uh, or at least suspects heavily and yeah. that he's willing to just lie to her face about it after they just kind of got through the whole like no more lies, trust each other kind yep. of thing. The fact that he's willing to just throw out the window again, like you said, to, to have his to have a daughter back. Right. But well, we're going to go live in Jackson and I'm mm-hmm. going to have a daughter and I'm so excited to do this. Um, yeah. And the show clearly is 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 very clearly indicating that this is not an ambiguous choice. You know, this is they they the way the show frames that entire course of events is yeah. Joel is not the good guy here. And also and, and also there's a scene like pretty much right before it where ellie basically looks into the camera and says hello audience just so you know i'm happy to die for this cure Mm. write this down guys this is (laughs) going to be important later um (laughs) i just i can't believe the baby-brained idiots out there that are trying to be like no maybe maybe joel was right no you my god but the the great thing about it is like you said though it's like it's the humanity is shown right it's 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 like, yeah, this is the wrong choice. And would you have made the same one? You yes. Know, that's the question. And a lot of people would be like, yeah, <laughs> I yes. would have. It is. It is. And um, yeah, that's the that's the hard thing. And um, it, that's the point. It's supposed to be a dilemma, but you're also supposed to see that this is, you know, that uh, it's the hard choice, you know, um, and, you know, Joel and honestly, every episode almost the moral of each episode is basically like a test run for the choice that Joel is going to have to make. And it's a bunch of other characters making the right choice. Yeah. Right. Like um, in the uh, Bill and Frank episode. I mean, it's a little bit different, but it's it's very clear that like it's kind of like, hey, our life is together. And if we can't be alive together, like I want you to have the ending that you want to have. Right. Mm hmm. That's I'm not going to try to I'm not going to try to subvert your wishes about the end of your life. In fact, I'm going to join you. And then there's the Sam and Lucas episodes where in the in the last second, Sam, right, the older brother, like makes the right choice, Mm -hmm. even though it's kind of an impulse and he's panicked. He does the right thing. He kills his infected brother to save Joel and Ellie. Like mm-hmm. that's that was the right move. Um, the um, the cannibal episode uh, that was I mean, you could make the argument that, uh, well, did we ever find out if they were were they just butchering? See, that's the my one complaint about that sequence, which overall was like 
that one was where I like I leaned a little bit hard into like the you know oh it's a different group are these guys gonna be good nah they're bad too fuck it like you know, that's a lot of kind of Walking Dead thing we keep yeah. doing over again but I thought that like yes that was something confusing it's like they're you know, like you know they had that reveal where it's like you know that the implication that they're eating human meat. yes and it's like okay hold up though are they just butchering their dead and eating them because if that's, that's the case that's totally fine yeah it's gross and it's weird and you realize yeah. that their leader is an absolute psychopath yeah but you're also like but look man if you're freezing in the like you're freezing up here there's no there's no food and you've got some dead humans like yeah i mean it's not it's it's not anything we would we like but i think Largely, we acknowledge that, like, if you have to eat your own dead to stay alive, that's not a moral thing. You're no. like, you know, that's not like a, it's not immoral to do. No, it's weird and gross. But yeah. like and and also like but but if it's like, OK, well, they're going out and murdering people right. to eat them. But that different that story. was never clear. No, it was not. And so, also, you know, and then they have to kind of layer on the it, it could have just done that. That's bad enough. But then they, they that was the only character I was kind of just like, I don't. This feels very like, again, like that sort of like, ooh, they're evil, like, you know, like not a really conflicted character. Like deep down, he's just a psychopath that's, you know, going to beat the women and he's going to, I guess, attempt to rape Belly. Maybe that was like the implication at the end there. I I don't know. Like, I have a lot to say about this guy. okay but um, Um, I want to get back to I want to come back to him. Um, But yeah, but I think that like you could look at each one of these and be Mm -hmm. like each one of these is in miniature the test that Joel eventually fails. Yeah. And um, and I will also say the reverse side is that the like yes to all of that. And also all of Joel's decisions, almost all of Joel's decisions (laughs) in the show are go well because he made those choices. Like he tortures those guys and kills them to get to Ellie and save her. That yes. works. You know, he, you know, a lot of what he decides to do in Kansas City is like, you know, he he, ta- he does take on a limb with those, you know, with the other two people. But they, they kind of had to at that point. Right. Um, Like his survival skills, his violence has gotten them this far. Yes. While also seeing all these situations where people make the right choice. And so in a lot of ways that adds to like the complexity of his decision making. He's like, well, it's got me this far. So I'll just keep right. It's all he can do. It, it, it's he has, he has got to a point where like the world is reinforcing his violent tendencies, right? Like every time, you know, uh, and it, it does get to the point there where it becomes the only thing he can do for Ellie is just be a murderer. Um, and, uh, toxic masculinity table for what um <laughs> like it's but that's that's kind of what it is and it's also like well you're when you're playing a video game that's also kind of one of the things that the last of us tries to talk about is like when you're playing an action video game your only way of interacting with the world of the game is through violence you know and you play as joel for most of the game and yeah all you can really do is shoot things and yeah. pick up materials to use to build ammo to shoot more things um and then that becomes your only real way of dealing with it like it's not like the game has like a system of dialogue trees and you could talk your way out of the situation with the firefly it's like no you're playing this game you're locked into 
Joel's skill sets, which is not to talk about things, it's to shoot them. Um, and that's the tragedy of Joel, um, is that he can't, you know, he, he he's incapable of, you know, like accepting Ellie's wishes. And that that's another part of it, too, is that there's this, you know, um, this continual dehumanization of Ellie all throughout the game by or not the game, the show by all these other characters who, you know, see her as just a vessel for something else. Right. Like this really comes in in the last couple episodes where, um, you know, it's very clear when she's at school, they just see her as another potential Fedra employee. You know, when when she's having that conversation with the principal or whatever and it's very clear that he's giving her the same motivational speech he's given a hundred kids to keep him in class you know and yeah he doesn't see her as a unique person he sees her as troublemaker 646 gives her the speech tries <laughs> to make it personal but you know ultimately fails um and then you know we have the uh the cannibal town and he sees her as something real weird um and then you know the fireflies see her as just you know the cure and um you know when when you look at the way you know there's a little flashback with marlene and she's with ellie's mom and you know ellie's mom is like you have to protect her but it really seems that all marlene did with that was like keep her alive she didn't raise the kid you know she didn't contribute to her like emotional or intellectual growth at all she basically just kept her alive so that you know until they were ready to extract the cure from her. You know, she just saw her as a vessel for um, for a cure. Uh, and, and Joel, you know, there towards the end, he something snapped and he just saw her as his daughter. She's not his daughter. She's her own person. You know, she gets to make her own decisions, but he doesn't let her. Um, and yeah, a theme. <laughs> um yeah, the themes. Um, I will say, real happy to what happy are those, to say Karen? that do uh, the only yeah. community in the show that works is Jackson, and it's also explicitly communist. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it's like Tommy's like, no, 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 it's not like that. She's like Tommy. <laughs> we, we live in a commune. We're, we're communists. <laughs> I I loved how he was still like nervous, but like, oh, call it that. <laughs> not in front of my not not in front of my brother. <laughs> You're gonna think I'm a nerd. Yeah, don't uh, say it. I all know it. Don't say it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. I don't know anything about. I know one spoiler for the second. Uh, but I don't. I'm guessing that that Jackson. I is, mean, it starts that way. I doubt the second game is about everyone living hunky dory, and that's uh, how the game opens. Yeah, no, Joel right. and Ellie are living relatively, you know, in in, in as mm -hmm. peaceful a life as is possible within the universe of The Last of Us. They're living in Jackson, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know, five or so years later or whatever. Uh, and then, of course, some things happen, and Ellie has to leave Jackson and go out into the wider world oh, to okay. do stuff. Things happen. Uh, yes. With her girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's another thing I just want to point My out. God, very quickly a girl about the and show, a girl. Um, that I thought was very Not in bikinis. It was a subtle thing, but yes. I, I thought it was very good is that um, there is just nothing glamorous about the show. Like a lot of the characters were Hollywood overweight and the show didn't try to like hide that. Um, there's very little like makeup on any of the characters. Mm -hmm. Um you know, and like 
They didn't cast anybody for sex appeal. Um, and yes, that's a, that's an excellent way to put it. Um, and, you know, even just yeah, like there's very um, little male. There's like almost no male gaze in the show. You know, uh, uh, yeah. I, I'm forgetting your name. Tommy's wife's name. Um, you know, like even just like there's a, a couple shots where like, you know, she's like a little soft around the belly like a person is. And it's kind of obvious, I think, in the scene where she's cutting Ellie's hair and you just notice these little things you're like and it's you only notice it because you're like, oh, shit, I don't Mm -hmm. see that on television, you know, like, right. And these are just like people living their lives and, you know, they're not they don't look like they've just spent the last 90 days doing CrossFit for 16 hours a day. Um, Even Pedro Pascal, like, you know, like he's looks a little soft around the midsection. And you're like, yeah, because that's how normal humans (laughs) look. And the fact that. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that that's the the approach the show took and it's kind of honesty about people's bodies and those sorts of things I thought was just so refreshing and um, made the whole thing feel a lot more real there. You know, I think that just enhanced kind of the just the brutality and visceralness of it was just like, um, even mm-hmm. though you know that that's Pedro Pascal, he's a movie star, you, you know, he still looks kind of shaggy and gross um you know and and you know casting bella ramsey who's not like i mean but you know she's not like traditionally beautiful attractive conventionally you know it's um you know she looks like a sad teen which is exactly right right and yeah yeah i mean yeah and like like more unique looking the scenes than like in, in the, the left behind episode where she's like, looking. you know, like looking at a reflection in the in the window and trying to like dress herself up. And like um, there's just something so much more touching about that when that's just like a normal person who looks like a normal person trying to make themselves look as pretty as they can in the moment, as opposed to like, you know, it's, you know, I don't know who's a pretty actress. It's not, you know, you know, uh, Zendaya, you know, you know, you know, like, oh, I've got to make myself look attractive. Like, uh, fuck off. <laughs> you know, like you, you can you can get yeah. hit in the face with a with a muddy shovel and still be the hottest person in the room. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it really comes through with uh, the Frank and Bill episode, which is a different angle on it. That I thought was really what I mean, that episode, obviously, I've talked ad nauseum about how good it is. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Uh, I watched it twice because I made Shay watch it with me despite I mean, Karen made me wait to watch that episode. He was like, well, that was a bummer. I don't really the show. I just, like, but wasn't Nick it Hoffman's also beautiful? Three and like, everybody yeah. says it's amazing. Also I was like, okay, we'll watch episode three together. And she was like, that was very good. I do not think I need to see any more of this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, I, you know, and I, 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 you know, from a, from a gay male perspective, like when you think about gay men in television and film, the vast there's exceptions, but the vast, yeah. vast majority are like, you know, or the term like CW black, like CW gay, where like everybody is like pretty. It's all just sex appeal. It's, you know, Loud, it's the stereotype, queen. right? It's like, you know, clean yeah. shaven, effeminate, you know, attract like mentally attractive, young loud, right. you know, and, a little bit. Yeah. All those things, you, or even if it's not that there's still this, there's still like probably a 20 or 30 year old white dude. Who's like, you know, clean shaven. Right. When's and the last just, time you saw two 50 something year you know, old guys that with that beards scene making it? It's not played to be you know? titillating at all. You know, it was like, it was, 
it was sweet and vulnerable and a little awkward. No. Um, but that made it so much more powerful because Nick Offerman was Bill, right? Yeah. Is that right? Okay. I'm going to say that. <laughs> but like Bill, where he's like, you know, he's only now letting yeah. himself feel these feelings. And yeah, there's so much riding on this. And this guy, you know, who was so like confident and self-assured all of a sudden is this, you know, yeah. very timid, afraid, you know, guy. And, and um, it's like, yeah, it, and it's touching. You know, um, and the fact that, you know, the fact that it's a gay relationship, the only <laughs> time where the fact that they're men uh, is, a, is a part of the story, the only time is when there's that initial trepidation of, um, are you, I think you might be, can we, right? Like, that's, that's the only time that it's brought up is just that, like, acknowledgement of, yeah, yeah. even in this you know, even in our modern world and post-apocalyptic world, there's still a little bit of dancing around the subject because we can't just be completely obvious with each other about how these things go. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Well, and and I think there's something really the choice they made. And then this like so the so I, I, they talked a little bit about timing of the show. Right. So in the game, yeah. my understanding is the outbreak happens in whatever the game came out, 2018. 2019 whatever and then it flashes forward 20 years 15 years 20 years i think um mm -hmm. which puts it in the future and instead for this show they had the outbreak happening in 2003 and have the game have you know, have the the show happening current time now because they felt like that made it feel more as opposed to like sci-fi future apocalypse it's like no this is right now in a different parallel timeline and i think what really what really stood out to me was that, you know, obviously they did a good job in those flashback scenes of like showing the technology and showing where they were at the time and how some of that translates into the future um, or doesn't, you know, because they don't have they didn't have iPhones. You know, they didn't have some of the things that they had it. Right. And they're stuck in, you know, they're excited to play Mortal Kombat, you know, um, maybe a slightly off timing, but we'll, we'll let us slide. Um, although knowing them all arcade probably would have that thing in it still. Um, but so think, you know, if Bill is a i don't know what he's supposed to be 30 something year old maybe even older white dude in middle well i guess they're in massachusetts west massachusetts i don't know it doesn't matter where right 2003 uh you're not exactly probably out and proud that's true and therefore you know which i think played into like if you're a closeted gay man in 2003 right and you know you know, some other defining characteristics like that could be a role or a factor in your decision to be like an anti-government, anti-society prepper. Yeah. Because you're like, why well, I, I can't feel it's unclear. You know, it's, if you get that vibe that he wasn't even ready to confront it in himself. Oh, yeah. No, I don't think he was being honest with himself, you know, but still that 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 what he must have been feeling inside like that. That's how it came out externally. Right. I, that, I to be a misanthrope and to do that. And then yeah. even even to flash forward to Ellie and Ellie's Riley. friend, Riley, thank you. Like, I think, <laughs> you know, I think sometimes you'll see in these in The Walking Dead or in other things that are like post-apocalyptic where it's like, oh, well, you know, we don't have time to be homophobic here. We don't have time to be racist here. Right. right? And it's like, you know, even though when the world ended, you know, people's thoughts and opinions on 
We didn't even have the we didn't even have the phrase LG. Most people didn't have the phrase LGBT back then. And the world was not very kind to, you know, LGBT people. Still not very kind to LGBT yeah, people. Most of the T part. But, you know, but I'm saying like, it, you know, think back 2003, George Bush, you know, first term, like gay marriage is like one of the hottest topics for debate at that point. Right. And I think there's a net like assumption that like, oh, well, you know, when the apocalypse happens, we ditch all those all that baggage. It's like, no, no, usually we double down on that. Baggage. Yeah, it would get worse. Yeah, usually it gets worse. It gets tribal. It gets, you know, people are clinging to old, desperate notions of the world like, you know, other things crop, crop up like so. The fact that like me, that put a firmer point on the sort of like some of the queer themes of the show, right? Yeah. Of like focusing on those relationships and like that, like those are probably way less okay, quote unquote, by society than they would be in our 2023. Yeah. And I mean, I think that, you know, Bill, his prepperism was probably, you know, it, it the backstory or the the kind of the untold backstory, the the implied backstory is he was living. This is his mother's house. He was living with his mother, taking care of his mother. Um, and then the prepperism probably started after she died. That's kind of mm-hmm. suggested. Um, that's why he's got, you know, women's clothes packed up and, and they, they, they suggest it. So, um, you know, it's like, well, he is probably been making a lot of excuses for why he just can't engage with women. I've got to take care of my mother. And then I've I've completely committed myself to this weird project in my basement. Um, and, you know, there's a reason, even if, you know, that, I mean, the idea that like, yeah, these people were probably frozen in 2003 to some degree, you know, and if you're frank, coming to Bill's house... You know, this guy had a gun to your head two hours ago. How's it going to be if I make a pass at him? <laughs> right? right. Especially like, this kind of guy. You know what right. I mean? <laughs> there's there, there's danger there. And, and then on the flip side for um, Ellie and Riley, it's, you know, if you're Ellie, you know, part of it is just the normal kind of teenage terror at the the thought of it of just you know having a relationship with someone and those sorts of things there's there's that but it's also like you know there's riley's also her best friend her only friend as far as we can tell so if you know she makes a move that could completely eradicate the friendship if she's guessing wrong you know yeah so there's but what's great is that both of these tensions at the you know kind of the outset of these relationships is like it's not tension that's brought on by the strangeness of the setting of the show right it's just this idea of like i think this could be something else but by making the move i might risk blowing everything up um and you can have that tension more in a in a queer relationship because you know in any kind of male female interaction it's generally assumed that one of one or both of us might be attracted to the other one, right? And that there is just a an understood sexual tension to some degree. It's just right. kind of embedded in the way we interact. So, um, but that doesn't exist, you know, as much in queer relationships and you know outside of kind of designated spaces where you kind of just by walking in the door, you right. <laughs> you 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 tell everyone where you stand. But like, yeah, but like it's. Those relationship, all those relationship moments, you know, the it was the the apocalypse that put these people together in this context. But uh, 
these tensions, this uncertainty would exist in any context. I think that's really well done yeah. and really brilliant that they didn't have to, that they didn't like have to justify telling a queer story by saying the zombies made them to it. <laughs> not <Yeah>. that, <laughs> not that direct, but you know what I mean? Right. Like, um, it's just this, these stories could happen anywhere, anytime. The, the context puts some additional complications and strain on things, but even the Bill and Frank episode, there wasn't much about it that was really about how they were dealing with the apocalypse. No, very little of it. You know, it was, it, it, you know, there, there was some minor stuff of just like, yeah, you know, Frank's clearly getting a little lonely because they, they don't have any neighbors, they don't have any friends, you know. And that creates some tension. But you know what? That tension exists in non-apocalypse relationships, too. Right. 100%. Like, yeah. I want to spend more time with my with with our friends. I you know, you don't. It's that's a thing. Yep. It just um, so I, I you know, I just think that that all was so, so well done. And, you know, is an area where you're like, oh, yeah, we can you know, there, there's more stories to tell here than just what happened in the video game. You know, yeah. Um, yeah, and it just shows that, you know, because that's one thing that, you know, you always got to worry about, like the Game of Thrones problem, right? It's like, can they only tell the story that was already told for them well in a previous thing, right? And then the second they kind of have to iterate or go off the rails, then it, it fails. And it's like, no, no, they, they know what they're doing. And, yeah. And they're, they're doing it well. I will say, I was glad that they only had, they only did one of these kind of side characters. Let's see how other people are getting on in the apocalypse episodes. I'm glad there was only one. Yeah. I wasn't was sure. One of the things I was worried about of like, how are they going to, how are they going to turn this video game into nine or 10 episodes of television? It's like, Oh, they're going to tell a bunch of side stories. Like let's check in with the shopkeeper who sold you that thing in that game that one time, you know? I mean, they um, kind of did it with, you said Kathleen, which I think is, I said Colleen, um, Kansas city people. Like they kind of, halfway did it there where they're a little bit you know and and again that's what i was like that's an okay way to you know that you kind of play it off that like sometimes you kind of do an alley and joel focus with so other times you kind of lean more into the yeah. other side that can work um i think they i i agree with you. i think they had like a fairly good balance here um that i felt wasn't distracting yeah although i will say that <laughs> i I was thinking of you because in I guess it's actually the second to last. Episode. Yeah, it's the it's left a behind episode. I was yep. like, oh, Greg's going to fucking hate this because I hated it. I'm like, no, like, don't fucking do this to me so right now. Like I've yes, yeah, for 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 longtime fans of the show will know <laughs> that I I this happens so much with prestige TV and I hate it. It's, you know, usually like it's ramping action up through the back half of the season and you're building up to the climax. And then in the second to last episode or the second to second to last episode, like they decide to do a flashback. You know, we cut away from the you know, it's, it's like all of a sudden all the characters are in a room and they're all got their guns drawn. And then, you know, and, and, and oh, God, the bomb is going to go off. And then it's like next week. We're just going to go and talk about the shopkeeper from the beginning, you know, and mm. and completely defuse all the tension. And I hate it when television shows do this. And this show did it, too. You warned me about it, <laughs> but I didn't mind this one that much. Yeah, it was less bad because it because it was two episodes away two back. Not I was like, I actually thought they did it. And I was like, oh, there's only one episode left. That's weird. I was like, oh, there's two left. OK. And I mean, it was a very good episode, so it helped. Yeah. Um. I still was like, ah, I, I maybe could have had this like earlier and it would have been fine. 
I get see, I get why people do it structurally because they're like, oh, you know, this is the moment to reveal something about the character that's going to help define the climax. So I get that from a writing perspective. But I, yeah, it's just for me, like as a guy who's like very big on his immersion, just completely breaks yeah. the inertia of the story for me. And I'm like, ah, come on, guys, I'm yeah. in it. Like, don't take me out of it. So uh, on paper, that was upsetting to me, but it ended up being fine because it's actually a, it's actually a very good episode and it manages to keep the energy up. Mm-hmm. Um, One thing it, I love about that episode. It, what's that? One thing I love about that episode is just how it like, you know, that at some point, like something's going to get him, you know, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like and it it takes it so long to happen so that like it really like in a kind of good way it like drags the tension out where it almost is like hey just fucking do it already like i i can't take waiting any longer i know the bad thing's gonna happen because they just show so much like you know joy and the interactions and the tension you know between the two of them and stuff and it's just like oh it's gonna be in here no it's gonna be in there and then finally it happens but it's just like it just takes so long but in like kind of a good way i really like that yeah yeah um, well, because you know, you know what's going to happen because mm-hmm. you've watched TV shows before, and also like you've never seen this Riley character, <laughs> and we also we also could just kind of tell timeline wise Ellie hasn't been bitten at this stage, so kind of you already know where what's going to happen exactly. here. Yeah, but and that that kind of casts this doom over the little romance subplot, but mm-hmm. that makes that just makes it kind of sweeter, doesn't it? Yeah. Because you're like, you know, this isn't going to work out, but you still want you still want them to be happy. And um, and I think it did a great job of like helping you, the audience, bond with Ellie more, not through Joel, you know? Yeah, and also like because I, she's she's showing her she's showing her most vulnerable side in that episode where she kind of tries to, you know, she's got her kind of like facade. I am facade, but she's got her her outward appearance when she's with Joel. Joel post this situation and post all the shit they've been through. Yeah. Um, but to see her questioning, you know, you're looking what you can really, I think empathize with her and, and think about what she's thinking. Like you said, you know, not, not complex end of the world, life or death. She's looking in the Victoria's secret window being like, Is this what it means to be a, a pretty woman. Do yeah. I identify with being effeminate like that? Is this what Riley would want me to wear? Like, you know, you can just see, that's what I had going in my head. Like, yeah, yeah. For a young person who maybe you know, what we would have probably called in 2003 a little bit of a tomboy. Now we might say like, oh, like they have like a slightly different gender expression or something. Like, you know, whatever, or or somewhere in between, or both, whatever. Um, you know, those kind of things that might be going through her head when she's in that scene and 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 working up to you know acting on her feeling. Yeah, I mean, and and it's just, I mean, I I interpreted it as just you know teenage. You know, like you're you've got these feelings um, that and and now you have to think about things in ways you hadn't had to think about things before. And, um, you know, there's the, all of a sudden you're entering into this adult world where things you don't understand. Like, you know, she's just like she's kind of flummoxed, but also curious ab- about the lingerie, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like that's what it's like when all of a sudden, you know, puberty hits and all of a sudden all, you start noticing some uh, a whole layer of the world you never noticed before. Yeah. And some of it's still kind of like funny and awkward, but also you're like, is this a part of it? What, <laughs> what is that? What does, does this? What's lube? 
<laughs> you know, like um, you, you know, all of a sudden and it, 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 it's scary and enticing and all these things at once. And, you know, they just it just worked. You know, I, I, I thought that was great. And setting it in a mall was maybe a little on the nose <laughs> with the um, with the uh, fucking reinterpreted 80s like love songs playing in the background. I think they mm. did one too many of those. Uh, Those are the kind did, of references that are all lost on me. <laughs> well, they did. They did take on me. Uh, that was, I think, just on her Walkman. Um, and then they 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 used that theme a couple times. And then when they're on the um, when they're on the carousel, it's a it's a Cure song. Uh, I can't. I, I, I've I've lost track of it. But I, it, it it but it's like reinterpreted, just like a little soft kind of keyboardy piano thing. But it's a Cure song, and it's like, all right, guys, we get it. I understand. Your target audience is in their 30s and 40s. So like they, they, those songs, I get it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I understand what you're trying to do to me. Playing songs from prom. <laughs> uh, but yeah, well, and the... Old man prom, maybe. Yeah, okay. I didn't even go. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, a boring story for another time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a story. I didn't go to prom. That's it. That's why yeah, it's pretty. Well, no, anyway. Um, I had a, I, I had a, I had a better time. Um, oh. I, anyway, uh, um, shit, lost my train of thought. Yeah, no. So the, the, the pumping the brakes episode didn't really bother me too much. I think it all worked out well. And they, they didn't spend the whole episode in the flashback. They, they, they brought it back to, to current time, uh, soon enough, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. It was like the last 20 minutes of the episode, we're, we're back to real time, I think, but I could I be think wrong. so, yeah. Um, now, I also thought it was very interesting that they, when they were jumping back and forth between the timelines, they didn't really telegraph it at all. So some of it was kind of jarring, and, and there would be like a second or two where you weren't really sure what was going on because it had, it had shifted timelines again. And I actually thought that was really well done. Uh, just from a, you know, um, you know, television storytelling perspective. Oh, I agree. Um, you said that, you had stuff to talk about with the preacher? I do. So first of all, I was pleased to see that the preacher stuff was all a fucking act. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of the whole... Uh, and I don't know that there that angle existed in the game. I remember that sequence, but I don't remember in the game if it was like full on cannibal uh, preacher situation. Uh, but that's not important. Um, but like that actor did such a great job of like really just selling the whole like, yeah, this guy's a youth pastor. I've seen I know this guy. You know, yeah. he was so convincing uh, in the early scenes. You really had a less confident show would have telegraphed. Yeah, his his turn a lot sooner because um, at first you're like, I don't know if I could trust this guy, which is right, because that's where Ellie is when she meets him. But then you're kind of like, all right. Yeah, no, I, I think this guy's on the level, even though in the back of my mind, I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure they end up fighting to the death in a burning restaurant. <laughs> I, I feel like I remember that distinctly. Um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that so performance was great there uh, and he really sells the turn. um, But I was gratified to see that it was an act because the whole like, um, you know, preacher who's gone God crazy. I've seen Mm -hmm. it a million times. Yeah. Um, And uh, I also remember Rain Wilson, of all people, made a stink on Twitter about like, ah, this thing's anti-Christian. I'm like, 
first of all, shut up. Nobody cares. Um, <laughs> but also, but then I, I, when I watched the episode, I was like, Rain, did you even fucking watch it? The whole point is that he's pretending. Yeah. Like, the whole point is that, oh, no, he's actually an insane, like, survival of the fittest Unitarian, not Unitarian, Libertarian <laughs> type. Uh, like, that's, like, where, because, like, he gave off all these vibes of, like, we are the strong alphas. We deserve to be in charge. They need us. I'm like, oh, good. Actually, I would much rather this this show have a heavy-handed, like, slap in the face to the objectivists than the Christians. Mm-hmm. The Christians, they've had it. They've heard it. They got it. Okay. But, like, that he's just, like, this crazy objectivist weirdo, like, nutcase. Yeah. And, like, clearly who, just, like, a bit of a sadist slash whatever, like, yes. sociopath or something. Yeah, it's all about he, he's got this twisted, like, you know, power and, um, you know, like, yeah, lunatic, but not not far off from what many men believe, um, you know, in this kind of like stratified hierarchical, like we're the strong. They they're sheep that need our guidance. Mm. You and me together. You get it. You're one of the good ones. You know, like, and again, like, again, he's he he's completely uh, um, dehumanizing her and, you know, projecting his own weird fantasies about what have you onto her, uh, you know. But I did like how the show of like for a second there, like, yeah, what he was saying was resonating with her to some degree because she was starting to see herself as like, yeah, maybe there is something about me that maybe I am just more violent than other people and um she never fully rejects that which is interesting um but uh clearly she's troubled by the by by what he's saying because she knows he's not a hundred percent wrong right Hmm. or you know that maybe that's something she could give her give into um i wonder if that theme ever gets explored any further (laughs) perhaps Uh, in part two perhaps yeah i i this for me like it was all well done well enough it felt a little bit like you know like he felt a little bit like a walking dead villain to me a little bit yeah in that a little way. too much a little bit too much yeah um and for me i i was really wanting something in that group to subvert my expectations and it kind of just played out like the oh they're they're you know they're they're nice they're religious but and they're a little weird but they're nice you know yeah but, come on you know that they're gonna be bad guys right yeah, there's like, something there, and, there's something that food looks weird that yeah. the, the show wants me to see how weird that food looks. And there's some culty vibes and people were being a little strange. It was like you said, it wasn't super telegraphed, but and, and he did play it. I mean, like his performance is really good and and kind of reasonable. And like, you know, what what I mean, the way that that like the first interaction with Ellie plays out and, you know, the fact that they follow through like on the medicine and he kind of is like like there's lots of points in that sequence where like you're expecting the betrayal to come. And yeah, it does. And it does. Right? Yeah. But then I was kind of like, oh, are they going to like subvert my expectations here? Is he going to be some like, you know, kind of tragically whatever? It's like, oh, no, he's just a deranged psychopath. It's like, OK, cool. Yeah, um, it's which is all, fine because like those those can exist and they're fine. You yeah, know? but the, but all the other all the other villains in the show, like even Kathleen, where she's she you can tell like she's she's broken. Yeah. But but you're also like, but I get it. Like, you know, she's. You know, she's broken in a way that I'm like, I can see how a person could get there. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But 
with the preacher, he, that's not that he's a little too cartoonish, a little mm-hmm. too, um, yeah, a little too just like, all right, well, you're just a crazy person. Yeah. You know, not not a person who was driven crazy by this. You're just a crazy person. And again, like you say, like those people exist, but I but it was a little out of out of character for the show, if that's the right way to say it. Yeah. You know, it's like. He's the one, yeah, like you say, like a Walking Dead villain, like, ah, I've, I've, the, the apocalypse turned me evil, you know? Yeah, yeah um, like the governor or a Negan or whatever, where it's yeah. like, you know, it happened. And like I said, like those, you know, it's, it's completely feasible that someone with that sort of predisposition in that situation could end up, you know, in charge of a group of people, you know, via right. some, some twists of luck and some strokes of pragmatism, not a word. Yeah. Pragmatism. 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 Thank you. Um, that you know results in that sort of situation. Although I do always like one thing that I as a, as a trope that I kind of hate is I don't know what you call it, but like where the kind of like quiet BB guy, in this case, you know, preacher guy, like they have such sway over like the meatheads. Yeah, I kind of just like have really gotten over that trope. It's just like oh no, man, that guy's just gonna punch him. Basically, don't like you don't control people like the the Kathleen stuff makes more sense because like those people seem loyal to her based out of like you know right they just fought a revolution together. previous yeah previous experience together and they've recognized her as the orchestrator of this revolution and blah 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 we're like this guy's just a psychopath like I don't know, someone's gonna shoot him right like I, yeah I don't know it's just like that thing doesn't always it feels like Batman it's like who follows the Joker? <laughs> you know right. I mean? like, yeah. 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 No. It. It. it and it's kind of like. Um. Yeah. Like, how did this guy get henchmen? Because you would think in a post-apocalyptic world, it would be a lot more like Mad Max, where it's Lord Humongous. He's the boss. You know. Yeah. Because he's he's Lord Humongous. Look at that guy. You're gonna tell yeah. him he's not the boss. Um. Yeah. And that the henchmen guess, are all kind of just doing their own. Yeah, it's possible, I guess. I guess, but, I guess but you just, could argue that that in the 20 years or whatever since the apocalypse, the groups that were just led by the biggest, strongest guy, they're all mushrooms now. You know, probably, yeah, that. So it is it's you know, we're at a point where it's only the ones where. But you're right. It does seem a little weird because it's like, how does he get this much control over the community? But you also got the impression that his control is a little tenuous. That is true. Yeah. Like there were a couple scenes where he was talking to, you know, his his one henchman and and where it kind of seemed like it's like if we don't get this solved soon, I'm not sure we're going to keep following you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and that guy clearly is like a, you know, he's a incredibly cynical, manipulative uh psychopath. So like, right. you know, he's going to he's going to say what he needs to say and do what he needs to do to keep this uh you know, to keep the, the flock going, you know, and he just has a natural knack for keeping the grift going and, and, you know, keeping people committed. Um, man, if only there was a fair haired public figure who did the same kind of thing that we could draw parallels to. If only, huh. only, um, yeah, no, I, 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 I did like, it did feel a little bit, I mean, I liked the twist that oh he's actually a libertarian great i hate those guys um my my <laughs> my 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 arch enemies the libertarians um i kind of like that but i also felt like this was one of the times where the show was looking down the cam- barrel of the camera a little too much and being like do you see incels 
that's this is you. You're the bad guy. <laughs> it just felt a little too on the nose and a little too heavy handed. Um, I liked it because I agreed with it. But as I was watching, I was like, yeah, this is one of those times where you are laying it on a little too thick. Yeah. Um, again, a message I agree with, but uh, a little over the top. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, like, we're all still really good. I mean, that, that scene in the restaurant with fire. Yeah. was really good and I mean, horrifying. But, yeah. You know, uh, well, well put together. I, I've, <laughs> I left this show basically every Sunday night. I'd watch this show and the credits would roll and I would just sit there and the editing is going to cut out this pause, but I'm pausing for dramatic effect. <laughs> and I just go, fuck. I go to bed. <laughs> that was basically like every Sunday yeah. for 10 weeks. <laughs> Cause that's just what this every, like every episode ended with such a fucking hit and, and not in like a, you know, next time on whatever, it, in a lot of ways that a lot of the game of Thrones episodes ended a hit, right? Like, you know, that like not a cliffhanger, but something that's just like, you know, really a point and, and see what happens next in the real sense. Not just like the, we cut off the scene in half. So you come back. Next. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you said, uh, really like it's it's hard there's really very few critiques i have of it i really liked it it was all encompassing for me for a bit um i had i was watching there was like at for a bit there i was watching this and andor at the same time and i was like oh right tv can be good <laughs> like because <laughs> i just had like watched some things that were like i, I mean granted i watched a lot of good things like house of the dragon was really good rings of power was enjoyable i don't think it was good but it kind of liked it um weird way but so yeah it, it was just like but like things that were like unequivocally very few complaints right no you know well obviously andor has a ton of baggage but i could put just any like, baggage aside and just be like oh wow this is good i'm really enjoying myself watching it's yeah it's just like oh it's just it's just good tv it's not it's not uh you know like a lot of things it's good with reservations. Like, you know, it's, you're talking about like, it's good for a blank. Yeah. You know, it's good for an anime for teenage boys. <laughs> um, you have to qualify it. It's good it's, for a Star right. Wars. Yes. <laughs> um, but this one, you're just like, no, it's just good. It's just a good TV show. There's... Yeah. Um, there's obviously some complaints, but when is there not? Right? There's always you can always find a couple yeah. that nits to pick. But um, and, and I've also been trying to think about. There's Sanderson was talking a couple weeks ago on his podcast about this sort of like cultural kind of stuck in like a cultural pothole on like having to be critical, like overly critical, or like basically being afraid to unequivocally like something. Like, yeah. Basically, always having to frame something like it's not perfect, but ju because just in case. There's something that someone points out that like you might have been wrong about or overlooked or didn't see. And like that's like almost like an affront to your pride or your intellect as like a, a right. critic, you know, and like I've been trying to think about that a little more and trying to catch myself when I'm doing it and be like, did I notice anything bad? And, and I'm also obviously being open to like learning new things and hearing people's critical opinion. That's part of the process, too. But like not having to go in so like couched or framed or 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 cautious to like express that i like something i definitely i definitely have been guilty of that, i think yeah well i think that there's a i mean some of it is some of it is a, still a bit of a hangover from the 2000s where at least in 
in my world, like um, your taste and thus your your value as a person uh, was wrapped up in um, basically how little you liked, you know? Yeah. It was all about like, I liked that band until yeah. they signed to Equal Vision. Like it was, it, you know, it was it was always about narrowing down the universe of what you liked. You like know, a little you, bit of gatekeeping and a little absolutely. bit of retention and all that. Yeah. And um, and I'm glad that that didn't poison my brain too much. Um, and, you know, it's it's we also, you know, um, there was a huge run of media criticism in the you know 2010s, 20, you know, up until like 2016 or so. That was all of this like. Um, bad feminist deconstruction. Not that all feminist deconstruction is bad. It's just that the what we were doing was bad. And um, yeah, I think it became uh, your your kind of moral or political worth was defined in part by the media you enjoyed. Right? Like it, you weren't allowed. Like if if you enjoyed something that was problematic, that was somehow a stain on your soul. Right. Um, and we then the cottage, cottage industry came up of like identifying every plot problematic uh, aspect of every piece of media. And, you know, I, I I think that's incredibly toxic. I think it's I think it's OK to like something with bad politics to enjoy it for its own sake. Like I like a lot of horror movies and a lot of horror movies are reactionary as fuck. Um, that doesn't make me a reactionary. I like a lot of high fantasy, which is react a lot of times reactionary as fuck. Um, that doesn't make me reactionary. Like it's okay to enjoy things with bad politics or it's okay to enjoy things that were maybe made without the utmost, you know, uh, racial or sexual sensitivity. Um, it's it's important to know that those elements are there so that you can identify them. But like, yeah, identify them and not internalize them. Right. As, you no, know, that's important for sure. But um, but but again, like, I think that there's so much of that. And I think we're getting over it to some degree as a culture, um, in part because the right wing has spent the last 10 years reminding us that, oh, no, we can get worse. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me, you we we are you ain't seen the scene problematic yet. Um, we made Kanye into a Nazi. You think we're stopping there? <laughs> um, like, so I, I, I think that we're getting over it to some degree. But yeah, like, it's OK just to be like, yeah, this is fucking good. It's a fucking good show. Um, and also, but I will say, I know I've been rambling for a bit, but like um, a piece of that, too, is. And I want to thank the Scaredy Cats YouTube channel for giving me this idea of like sometimes what's bad about a thing is just more interesting than what's good about a thing. You know, yeah. sometimes it's faults, even if those don't add up to making the thing actively bad. Sometimes the faults are just more interesting to talk about. And I think that and I think that that's the kind of criticism we try to do here. But I think it's worth emphasizing that they're like sometimes it's just you know like again the things about dr strange multiverse of madness that made it bad were also the things that made it interesting right um or it's just you know sometimes things are bad in a really fascinating way yeah um but i i agree with you like sometimes if a thing's just bad like it's just bad it's just bad it's just boring it's dumb uh kind of like ant-man you know <laughs> <laughs> um 
Like sometimes it's just like, yeah, spend that time talking about what you like. Yeah, and, and I yeah, you know, I think we like you said, we in this show we we've always like there's definitely many episodes we've done where it's like, Do you like this thing? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, did, let's did you like spend that thing? two hours yeah. talking about everything that's wrong with it. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, like, it's like sometimes that's more interesting. In this case, it was sort of the opposite. We got to there because it is so well done, you can kind of really point out the things are so the things that are so good has such a good point on them that you can really identify them and it sticks out. Whereas other times it's, you know, it, it doesn't always, always, especially if something is in certain genre types, maybe not as deep, but still good. Right. The themes aren't as yeah. prevalent or relevant, you know, like what, like uh, one of the better Marvel films, let's say like yes. ain't a lot to talk about just that. Like it was a good action movie yes. and, you know, had some good quips and, you know, sexy, sexy people were being sexy and punching and, you know, whatever, like, you know, and, and you, you can point out some things like we do, but it doesn't always leave much to discuss. Yeah. Then you, then you end up focusing on the things that maybe you didn't like. And and there's definitely a uh, there's definitely always a little bit of a probably a self, I don't know, masturbatory kind of thing in doing that where you're like, look how smart I'm going to point out the negative things. But yeah. that's also what we're doing. You know, that's, well, that's, that's, that's part of the yeah. interesting part. And that's that's another thing is I think that negative criticism is a lot easier. Yeah. Um, for sure. That was Sanderson's point, right? Yeah, and in, in part, I, I, in part, I think it is. It's because there are well-worn paths for ne- like for negative criticism. Like you can watch, you watch enough fucking cinema sins <laughs> videos, and you learn how to point out these quote-unquote plot holes, right? You just learn how to find them, how to see mm-hmm. them, and now all of a sudden you can do it too. Like whereas trying to talk about what's good about something can sometimes be a little harder one because there's an element of vulnerability to say i liked it i liked it when those old men kissed you know (laughs) like there's a little bit of vulnerability there um and as opposed to like i thought it was dumb when they did this (laughs) um so I, i think that's a piece of it but also i will say um part of the fact that i think that there's a lot of negative criticism out there these days is because a lot of stuff sucks (laughs) a lot of stuff does genuinely just fucking suck um this is not one of those things this this was not at all a chore to watch beyond just the i want to look away because it's because it's a bummer right kind of thing like this is not a chore to watch this didn't have that feeling of like so many things, even though they kind of feel good, I still feel like I'm watching them out of an obligation, you know? I'm like, I yeah. guess this is as good as TV gets right now. All right. Yeah, I would, maybe, I would maybe, for my opinion, I would revise your statement to be like, there is so much stuff and the the spect- the, the disparity is because of that, there's a huge disparity. You have stuff that's like, you know, I've heard, you know, it's confusing to me sometimes when people, even like the, the, the daddy, the dungeon daddies guys, they can get a little, like everything sucks nowadays. I'm just like bullshit. Like, you know, like that attitude that like, like there is no way, like mathematically it's impossible. There is more content being produced for lack of a better term across, you know, the media industry. And yes, you can maybe lament certain, the lack of certain things where you can say like, Oh, it's a shame that, you know, mid-budget action movies aren't really a thing anymore, or mid-budget movies in general, although I would probably argue against that point that people make. They're not in theaters, but, like, they're on other things. Right. And just, like, I think the industry just looks very different, and because of that, you have some of the best TV shows that have probably ever been put out in the past, you know, that have come out in the past 10 years, ever. 
Oh, the right. Frasier reboot? Did that finally play? <laughs> I kid. But first, like, you know, how much, like, let me rephrase a little. In, you know, the 80s and the 90s, you had a very small, like, pool of things. And most of that was also garbage. Just, like, generic laugh track sitcoms. Like, the majority of all content that people co- produced and consumed was formulaic garbage. That's, yeah. You know? I see, yeah. No, Whereas I, I, now, you have such a breadth of things and such a, like, you know, I mean, Netflix puts out a new show, like, every day. And, like, yeah, some of those aren't good. Some of those are good. But, like, there is just so much more that, therefore, there's a lot of really good things identified that then kind of puts all, because there's so much more of it, and the really good stuff comes out, it makes everything kind of look a little bit worse. That's, I kind of think, the effect that's happening a little bit, at least from my perspective. Maybe. No, I mean, I think the idea that like, yeah, like 80 percent of everything is always crap and always has been. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just I, that 80 percent amounts to a lot more things than, right, than it did but, in so, 1990 when there was three television networks. And, you know, there were more than three in the 90s, Andrew. Come 19, on. I, I know I'm, I should be like <laughs> 80s, but you know what I mean? Like there, there was not. No, you know, there was, cable wasn't. It, it was much more of a monoculture. Right. You know, um, when, like they talk about like that a lot and like the you know just any sort of retrospective podcast on television it's just like oh yeah like you know when the, the, the sunny guys were talking to danny about any video about taxi yeah it's like oh yeah when you made your debut in that show like a hundred million people were watching you live right because there was nowhere else to go right and that is just not something people experience anymore i mean right. i guess it is shows like this but even that, like, they're still not anywhere near those kind of like in the monoculture of just like, well, there's a couple channels and there's a couple movies coming out, you know, the next month. And that's right. Like, that's and all that's you can what access, we're so. all watching. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I yeah, I think that, you know, so yeah, and, and and we don't remember the shows from the 90s that were in the 80 percent of garbage. Right. Because who keeps who's who keeps talking about them? You know, all the all the one season you know, summer premiere things that just were on for 10 weeks and were never heard from again. Yeah, of course not. Like, we forget those things. It's the good stuff that gets replayed and syndicated and gets more seasons and all that stuff. Um, and I don't think there's any way you could say, like, you know, could I say that today the ratio of good to bad is worse? Like, no, I can't measure that. I don't know. I couldn't say that for sure. I just wonder... If the highs are as high, the highs are as high today as they were then, whenever we define it, you know, is the best TV show we make in 2023 as good as the best TV show we made in 1993? I don't know. It's probably a silly thing to think about. Um, well, the best show in 1993 was Power Rangers. So, well, and they, they made your <laughs> reunion movie. I know. A couple more days. Shit looks like it was shot for YouTube. That's the point. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. Maybe. I think um, maybe that stuff looked better when they were shooting it to VHS. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, no, anyway, okay, anyway. All right, right, right. Staying focused. We're staying focused. Staying focused now. No, I mean, I think that, like, The Last of Us... You know, is it as good as Deadwood? Is it as good as Breaking Bad? Maybe. I don't know. Um, but it does, you know, and it, it, maybe this is also me just because they're not making as much TV for me as yeah. they used to. This sounds more like an age thing. Back Could in be. my day, TV was better. It was not. <laughs> it was not. Um, we had uh, we had friends. Yeah, which and, sucks. Uh, uh, which is 
just uh, just a fucking black mark on humanity. That, that uh, is one thing that I don't understand about about there's a, there's a, a large contingent of like you know the the, the probably the the older half of millennials who are just like so obsessed with that show lately. And I'm like, why? Well, I it's mean, part just of be it, nostalgia, right? Like that. It's, yeah, all, all part it's of it. Be. Part of it, obviously, it's nostalgia. Um, but I think that that show really scratched itself onto the hearts of a lot of my cohort, my kind of, you know, um, uh, because just because of when it premiered and like when it kind of hit and, you know, when people my age were in our teens and this show was just like so cool and so hip and just everywhere and you know a little bit more of that monoculture vibe too that like everyone was watching it and it was just like so aspirational for a lot of kids in my you know in in my age group where it was like that was the life you were you wanted to live when you got out of college you know like we're all gonna live in a loft in new york and just make fun of each other all the time and (laughs) you know like um the so i think it was it was very aspirational for uh a certain kind of a certain kind of uh millennial and uh yeah and they're revisiting that nostalgia and um having their brains further uh uh, further corrupted by chaos. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe I'm just like not as. It's okay if you don't like friends. I mean, I, no, no, look, no, 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 no. I'm not, yeah. I'm, and I'm not. I'm not saying it's not. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not okay if you do like friends. Um, I'm just saying it wasn't like I, that was not a show I ever watched. From right, because I think you were, and I think you were probably a little too young. Yes, you know, also just like not interested. Um, yeah, I was not in. You know, but like, but then again, things I did watch, I'm still not like. Example, Greg, I have. I was saying this the other day. I had probably not legitimately watched an episode of The Simpsons in maybe 15 years. That's a lie. Well, I'll say I'll say 10, 10 to 12 years. It's okay. I mean, I, like, I watched that show religiously as, you know, a seven or maybe nine through, you know, 20 year old probably. Yeah. My theory there is that every year that goes by, the ratio of good um early well you know first decade decade one simpsons episodes <laughs> uh you know the ratio of good episodes to bad you know modern episodes is gets worse every every year so the idea of just like i'm gonna fire up a streaming app and watch a couple random episodes of the simpsons it's like that roll of the dice gets a little worse every time you know you gotta wade, wade through more crap to get to uh you know uh the the Hank Scorpio episode. Um, so that might have something to do with it. Yeah, but you think I still have some nostalgia to go back and watch, like, you know, some classic Sims episodes. I just really just don't. I'm not sure why. Because, it, interesting thing, Shay has never watched an episode of The Simpsons. We've talked ever. about this. Yeah. We've talked about this. That's part of it, too. I had you guys in my home. I should have. I also wonder, like, with like, all these things, how it would land. No context, no nostalgia, or was forgetting like i don't even know if i could like sure if i watch him like oh yeah this episode but i don't know if i could name a lot of like classic simpsons episodes off the top of my head or whatever i know what i mean because they're funny but yeah i don't know i'm just i'm not one to like i don't know comedies never really like latch on to me the same way that like other things have, i think yeah i mean i don't i don't oh no i say that and i've watched fucking i've watched through it's always sunny like probably like four times so what am i fucking <laughs> saying i'm saying nothing i'm saying i'm saying nothing right now <laughs> I mean, I don't know. My my that's just as funny. <laughs> I well, it's still a very good show. I I don't I don't 
use like old episodes of sitcoms as like comfort food as much as I used to. Um, right, how many times you've watched Frasier? As a complete, se- maybe <laughs> twice. Um, for, but Frasier is, you know, that one has a soft spot just because of like what period of my life does that recall, you know? And it's like, yeah, I'm like probably between nine and 14, that kind of golden age of like, I'm not really thinking about puberty or girls. Mm-hmm. I'm just, it's that Frasier is a thing that you cling to. Cause when I watched Frasier that age, I was just like, I don't get it. Boring. <laughs> Well, I, yeah, but I mean, it's I, I, I don't know. I mean, but also that the style of humor in Frasier, uh, the witty repartee, the um, absurd uh, upper class nonsense like that, that just speaks to me. Um, <laughs> well, and I think that's because, you know, a lot of obviously we inherit a lot of our sense of humor from our parents. They teach you what's funny to a certain degree. And like, yeah, no, my dad. True. My dad loves, you know, he 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 loves like, uh, you know, a certain kind of British sitcom that's all about, you know, these people just sniping at each other in the most posh way. Um, and Frasier has a lot of that. So, you know, and, you know, we watched Frasier as a family, you know, so there's there's all that. Uh, um, Definitely get that. My my dad and I, you know, didn't have a good relationship. But the one thing we we, we did quite frequently um like whenever it was like my weekend there was we always made sure watch the simpsons together on set on friday or sunday night right when they had it mm-hmm. they had that kind of animation block going then for decades that, i guess <laughs> yeah, i guess so um that was always just like the one thing we kind of yeah so yeah that, to your point about like family teaching point well my mom was like very anti-simpson because you know, that bart simpson's can turn us all into kids with attitudes yeah and tell us to eat your shorts and things like that was what i was absolutely not on the watch with south park that was definite no-no list the simpsons list was tolerated but not approved south park hit at just about just about the right time where at least from my age group your your parents were kind of giving up on the idea of controlling what you watched sure sure sure. kind of like what i i don't know man he's 14 like ship sailed uh, yeah, I, I can't. I'm so tired. <laughs> so tired. Yeah. I can't be I can't be supervising what he's watching on TV at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, I probably would have been. I don't know what. Nine South yeah. Park Air. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, we were we've, we were we were supposed to be talking about The Last of Us. Oh, well, we're talking about TV. I know. We, we're fine. fine. Um, um, I, I also say one quick point that I meant to make earlier about the whole cannibal thing was that also didn't really land for me because I. While I was watching The Last of Us, I was finishing up Broken Sky Trilogy by N.K. Jemison, um, fantasy mm-hmm. series. Uh, you would probably really like it. Um, and there's a, it's like basically this world that just has like perpetual apocalypses. And then like society kind of like regroups a little bit and tries to just like hold shit together until the next apocalypse. And they have all these, you know cultural norms and stuff that are around just like, yeah, every once in a while, like, you know, the earth rips open and bad stuff happens. And like in that book, it's like, yeah, I mean, after a certain point, if you're not eating your dad, you're being irresponsible. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, no, one, no one likes it, but like only the only ones who survive, like that's the people who survive. You don't do it on purpose, but like, yeah, well, there's some dead bodies. Eat his meat and just go for it. So I was also like, yeah, Eat the dead, of course. <laughs> yeah. Fucking apocalypse. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah, it's just, you know, as long as you're not killing people to eat them, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, some people in that book were doing that, but right, those but are the bad guys. Right, they're obviously bad guys. It's 
Right. Low bar, yeah. but all right. Yeah. Um, do you have any, any summary thoughts about Last of Us? Uh, I guess I'll ask this, Greg. What? Uh-huh. So I know they said, I know obviously there's a second game. Maybe yeah. Third game coming? I don't That was, I thought I heard that. I don't um, know. Maybe not officially I th- announced. I, I imagine there's going to be a fucking one now, but. I think they're um, hinting at it pretty strongly. I don't know that there needs to be one, but I also didn't think there needed to be a number two. Yeah. You really like number two, right? I do. And do you think that number two is going to make, I think they said two seasons? Telling two seasons of television? Um, yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, I, I, they're going to have a little bit more of a technical challenge uh, in developing season two. Um, um, yeah, I think that there's... It's a little bit trickier um, telling the story that they uh, that they want to tell. Um, but I think they're doing it over two seasons. So I kind of think I know how they're going to do it. But um, but yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what they do. Um, an incredibly controversial game because people are fucking dumb. But um, I do think that I don't know. I mean, we have already talked about it, but you got to be pretty fucking dumb to walk away from this season thinking like joel's the good guy who did the right thing um i'm sure i'm sure his past deeds will never catch up with him um and also joel has never hurt a person who didn't deserve it um you know like so yeah i don't think that like i think that it would probably be a little better received because again i don't know how you miss the point of the game but you know people do um but yeah, I, I, I'm definitely into it. I think there's if 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 it's if this is what they did with the first game, I can't wait to see what they do with the next the next one. Yeah, but I'm I'm excited. The, the biggest thing that I don't like here. Here's my gripe about television these days. Oh, geez. Just fucking how long it takes between seasons. I'm, you yeah. know, like nowadays it's like, oh, it's probably gonna be two or three years. It's like, oh, man, like, I, you know, one year was already hard enough. And now it's like stretch it out so long and thinking of other things I'm excited for that like are just like eh, it's gonna come out at some point House of the Dragon or yes Wheel of Time season two like I mean I know there's still there's still kind of like a COVID backlog of like, access to filming places still and I, I know these things are much bigger productions and have bigger budgets and have a lot more effects and stuff but it's still just like a consistent thing I want to watch every year you know well you know what you can watch right now what can I watch right now? Rebuild of Evangelion oh, fuck. Yeah, I've already watched half. Yeah, so that's spoiler alert. That's what we're segue. doing next episode. This is the segue. Segue, yes. For the for our upcoming episode, uh, we just watched The Last of Us, uh, and we're gonna watch the four rebuild of Evangelion movies, which are all available on Amazon Prime Video or uh, the rest of the internet, where you can get things for free. Um, we're watching all four of them. We're gonna do one episode about them. We did. A while ago, I made Andrew watch the entire series of Evangelion and then the two movie endings. And we talked about it over the course of like 10 episodes, probably more than that. Um, And now Mm -hmm. I'm making him watch these movies, which are um, kind of a remake of the series. But um, so you don't need to have watched the original Evangelion series or know anything about it to watch the movies. Um, obviously it, it helps if you did, but, um, they are essentially standalone. Yeah. Um, um, trust me from my perspective, like from someone who has watched the original series and talked about it for 
literally hours. Yeah. Um, you still won't understand any more than you would if you're going blind. So uh-huh. <laughs> go for that. Yeah. Um, Actually, if you go in having seen the original, you might understand less. <laughs> you might be handicapping yourself. It's. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah I'm I'm too in. Is this the first time you watched them, Greg? Absolutely not. I was say no way. This is um, obviously the fourth film, which is the one that I think came out last year. I've seen that the fewest amount of times of the uh, of the four. But I w- uh, the, the first one or two, I've probably seen like three or four times at this. Point. Got it. Yeah, um, it gets worse because usually I think I explained this on another episode. The first watch is just to just kind of let it just let it happen to you. Just feel it, man. And then the second watch is where you're like, all right, I'm actually going to like try to pay attention to the plot points here. Figure out what the fuck is going on. And then the third time is when you start to actually analyze. Uh, um, that's how you watch them. <laughs> like a lunatic. Oof. Yeah, uh, I've got two more to go. Um, yeah. So we'll talk about it then. You know, I, I won't say any more get there, but I will say that, you know, you told me, I'm like, oh, maybe they made it like a little less weird. And nope. Yeah, the first one. They doubled down on everything weird about it. Just amped it up. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. So, But but the themes are clearer. I would say the themes are clearer. By the end of it, the themes are much clearer. Um, I hope the ending's a little clearer, too. Not banking on it. But I've just never seen a thing that, like, has so many words in it, but communicates so little. (laughs) It's a challenging watch. They are a challenging watch. I will say this. Uh, we watched the second one last week with, uh, and you know, I'm watching it with two friends, and, you know, watch the first episode or first movie and then watching the second movie and both their uh, partners decided to join us too. And in, in the second movie, oh, no. despite not watching the first movie. Oh no. <laughs> and um, that was uh, funny. Oh, that was a, such a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> for them to yeah. do, you know, all they're both like, this is weird, but kind of interested. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but they'll do it. Then also, that. whenever like the buggy anime teen boy stuff happens, they'd be like, oh, my God, why? Well, you got to have some bouncy boobs here and there. Otherwise, how, how the boy's going to stay interested, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's complicated, but it's complicated. <laughs> it is. They also want you to feel kind of shitty about the male case. Oh, yeah. Too. Oh, yeah. It's not. They they are definitely it's a, a you know, one hand giveth the other taketh away kind of situation with the male gazy stuff. Because they're like, yeah, look at this, you fucking pervert. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, there's a there's a. Well, yeah, it's we'll get there. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I well, again, I was going to say, look, how's anybody going to watch Evangelion and realize it's not an actual deconstruction of uh, of otaku culture? Like, come on. And I'm like, I, you literally just told a story of how several people would just watch Evangelion, not knowing that it's that <laughs> because some people, it turns out, don't have anime brain worms like I do. <laughs> yeah, um, I will say, though, it is very pretty. Yeah, man. And, 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 you know, every time I rewatch the series, I'm reminded of like, um, it actually, it's the opposite of the way the series worked because with the original series, the animation got progressively worse as the, as the <laughs> series went on because they were running out of time. Um, it gets progressively better with the movies because these things were made over the course of like 20 years or maybe like 15 years. Mm-hmm. So like the with increasingly higher budgets. 
Yes. So like by the time you get to the end, man. Oh, man. God. Ah, oh, there's oof, oof, <laughs> episode three is, or, or is is a little light on the action. But man, when you get to four, holy shit. They just there's. Oh, oh I have such <laughs> sights to show you. Yeah. Well, I'll let you know when I'm done. It'll probably be a couple weeks, but we're doing a my friends and I started a book club fun. Sorry, with just two of us and then I expanded to five of us pretty damn quickly. Oh, um, so now we, we do it's virtual, but then we after book club, which is about yeah, we talk for maybe about 45 minutes or an hour. Then we do an anime after book club every other. week. So, oh, so you're working, you're you're spreading this madness to other people. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Um, I mean, I, I kind of might push to just watch the third and fourth one just like in one go but that's not a, that i mean honestly that's not a terrible idea just to get they, it over with mostly they, well, <laughs> i was gonna say i they, they flow into each other very nicely and um and i think they work a little bit better side by side because like three is a lot of build-up mm-hmm. and four is some of the payoff yeah it's kind of like good. infinity war and endgame right like it's kind of yeah, like yeah. yeah you kind of want to back to back these guys but yeah. that makes sense Okay, cool. And then do we have a thought just to give people uh, or do we have any thoughts for the next one? I guess we get a Guardians in May. I don't know. Uh, I mean, yeah, maybe. We do. Get a Guardian. Also, it be tough. I don't think I'm going to be able to yet. Secret Invasion? Question mark? Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, I, I'm having I'm having a hard enough time, like, talking myself into wanting to see Guardians. I don't know about Secret Invasion. Yeah. Just a little... Kind of cool in the trailer. I mean, maybe, but, maybe, maybe another trailer might change my mind, but. Yeah. Well, I was going to see how it, how it feels after a drop. Yeah. Okay. But Eva, you know, I'm sure all of you are going to go home right now, turn on Amazon Prime yep. and boot up. Rebuild uh, of Evangelion. Rebuilding Evangelion. Don't worry about the other ones. Rebuild of Evangelion. Do you watch the other ones too? I dare I you. Don't. I mean, or Wait. if you do listen to our episodes about it, but. Uh, I, I dare you. I dare you. None of you are brave enough to watch all of Evangelion on Netflix and then watch the movies on Prime because you're all cowards. Um, and yes, they have the most uh, like obtuse names. Don't be thrown off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I have read wikis on numerous occasions trying to explain that that try to explain the naming conventions for these movies. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, to no avail. Greg, do you have another example of this happening where it is a like a creator makes something and then just Says, the give same me another give me another try makes it again? Not a sequel, not, a, you know, just like the same, quote unquote, the same story. Um, I think Full then, Metal Alchemist had a similar. Was it the original creator situation? That sounds right. Yeah. Where it was like, yeah, it was basically like the the first season, like I, I might be I might be misremembering this, but like where the kind of like a Game of Thrones situation where the show got out ahead of the comic um, and then uh, and then Brotherhood is basically like, no, 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 this is what we meant to do. Um, yeah, the show got ahead, out ahead of the comic and then made some decisions that weren't where the comic was going to go. And um Oh, well, we just talked about the other week, Trigun, the new Trigun, Trigun Stampede, uh, which is a essentially a re- redo of the original Trigun anime. From um, the original creators? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, this first season just wrapped and... Oh, so it's an anime thing is what you're saying. <laughs> well, I think it's more common with anime because I think that with anime and manga, you have a more... 
there's more of a, like a uh, creator culture, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. But like, whereas a lot of our entertainment media, like James Bond is owned by a company, you know, Superman is owned by DC Comics. So the idea that like one creator is like, this is my series and maybe I want to take another crack at it. I want to try to tell the story again because the first time I didn't really get to do the ending I wanted to do. Um, I'm trying to think like and I mean, I guess the nearest comparison I could make in like Western media would be like, um, so like how many cuts of Blade Runner are there? Like how many times are we getting? Are we, <laughs> yeah. Slightly cutting the ending, you know. Well, but there's, right? but, like, but also like Ridley Scott had a part of some of those, right? Where it is kind of like, of no, but I do feel like there's a couple points, you know. Well, it's not like he was taking his name off of it, you know what no, I mean? No, no. But like, and there's obviously corporate interference there, but like, you know, you got theatrical cuts and director's cuts, which is a kind of a similar dynamic of for various commercial reasons. I couldn't realize my original vision, so... Oh, you mean like uh, Altair Filmmaker, uh, you know, Living Legend, uh, Cultural Milestone, uh, Zack Snyder's Justice? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, that that actually is an example. I'm avoiding <laughs> avoiding using the word good example. But yeah, no, that is that is something where it's like I, I had a vision, couldn't quite get there, uh, and I want to come back to it. Um uh, yeah, and I also think that it, it could also just be like the way the, the media industry in Japan might be just more open to be like, yeah, let's make that thing again with the same people as opposed to what we do here, which is like, hey, let's make that thing again, but with everyone at half the rate. <laughs> um, yeah, it's because because in 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 America, you know, it's like the direct the, the creator costs money and they're not worth it. Mm. You know, it's not worth it to pay Martin Scorsese to take another crack at Gangs of New York, you know? Right. It's it's much more profitable or theoretically profitable to just be like, what if we just made him executive producer and found somebody who could work for half the rate? Um, yeah, no, I yeah. I, I mean, as far as I can think of, it's just an anime thing. Um, hmm. Well, yeah, because it's your little... like books comic books where somebody comes along and says no 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 this is the real version <laughs> or you know i'm just going to do a different this is just a different lord of the rings like i'm just going to try some different things this time yeah. um well yeah so this is your preview if we if we you know hurt your interest watching this weird thing yes, there is a should. part 1 and there is a part 2 there's a part 3 but then there's a part 3 plus 1 yeah, and you're forgetting all the decimal places involved. Yes, you, yes. Which is not a joke. But there's four of them. You'll figure it out. You just look for <laughs> Rebuild of Evangelion. Um, I, I don't even know if watching them out of order would even be a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, you should they, they, watch them. I know we keep talking about how weird they are, but like they're generally generally pretty uh, compelling things to watch, even if they don't always make sense on the first couple watches. <laughs> but look, I, I can promise you this. They will be weird. Uh, you will get to see some really fucking awesome giant robot action. Uh, a lot of it. Um, and there's all kinds of pervy stuff in it as well. Um, <laughs> if you like pervy stuff. And you will be bummed out. Yeah, the second one's a bit of a bummer, but um, we're going to have to have a... I guess we'll have to talk about who, which is episode two or three wins the bummer contest. Yeah, it's not done being sad yet. <sighs> but I will say this. I will say this. It has a happy ending. Oh, 
and I, not like the happy ending in the first one. If you get what I if you get what I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm also fashion joke. I, I got it. Uh, I'm I'm still also not convinced. I know if the, the ending of the original was happy or bad. Or, uh, yeah. Actually. Yeah. Is it clearer? Uh, oh, yeah. No, it, trust me. It, OK, you'll you'll see where they're going with this. Got it. I, I, I mean, that helps a little bit. That, that helps yeah. me. That, that helps put a little more wind in my sails. So I was like, after the second one, I'm like, oh, we're just off into. I have no idea what's going on. Weird, weird territory all over again. And I got two more movies of this. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, you do. The next one's gay. Oh man. <laughs> well, we know that from the first year. <laughs> yeah. Once, 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 once that twink came down from the from the moon, we knew what was up. <laughs> it's back. All right, Greg. All righty then. Well, uh, go watch these movies. Um, you know, talk to professional if you have to, and uh, and then we'll talk about the movies. All right. Later. Later.